and welcome to episode eight of Anne and Steve Talk Stuff. We are flaking through these much quicker than before because we've gone from monthly to pretty much weekly now because of the state we're in. Anyway, I'm Anne Blake and I'm talking stuff to Stephen Kinsler. How are you, Steve? I'm good. I'm good. I am um, third policeman style turning into um, Zoom. It's uh, it's remarkable um, how how uh, how how quickly it's happening. But I'm okay. I'm okay actually. Um, has I'm has your social life become Zoom as well? No, no. But I didn't really have a social life to begin with. And to be honest with you, um, okay. So you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's fine. Um, it, life is all about the family for. For, for at the moment but no uh, 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 re- really you know I, I, I don't spend um, all of my time Yeah, I, I would like to do I'm doing um, uh, Zoom a lot with my mum uh, right yeah oh not Zoom WhatsApp uh, okay with, yes yes so that's that's kind of a big thing so the not just the video call the, the, not just the, the audio call but the video call that's really important that she sees the kids and all that that's, that's become a big thing is I find I'm phoning people more, but I'm tending to video call them because yes. I want to yes. see them. Yeah, uh, I want to see them, have the chat. And um, also just, just I, I think it is also important just to watch us all return um, to the late 70s in terms of um, hair and facial style. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're all going to look like footballers from the late 70s early 80s by the end of it um yes yeah definitely my my son is actually mad to cut my hair really cut his own hair there um last week or the week before Mm. and uh yeah he's like it hurts too long dead so really i was gonna say you've a touch of the hippie about you yeah 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 a bit bit more relaxed (laughs) well i had a friend say to me last night because my my social life is becoming kind of video calls and and little raising a cup of coffee or a glass or something else while we chat and a friend of mine said your hair is looking lovely are you cutting it yourself (laughs) i kind of felt that was a bit of an insult (laughs) <laughs> like it's insulting both you and the barber actually if you think about it right? <laughs> are like, you going to get yourself because the last time you looked like trash and also that barber needs to get sacked yeah. like, <laughs> dear god if I was cutting my own hair you would definitely know all about it because yeah, it would mom, be carnage my, my mother-in-law uh, her, her mother had an incredibly acerbic way with words and she said to her once um you know, uh, it's really good to see you've lost some weight, you know, which is, <laughs> which is a particular thing to say. And she said uh, to, to uh, my mother-in-law, you better not lose any more weight. Otherwise, your nose will look much bigger than it already looks. Oh, good God. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. That it was like called... 50 years ago and she's still talking about of course she is. the burn <laughs> that her mother put on her like. A backhanded, co- that's not a backhanded compliment. That's just a, a front-handed slap in the face. Yeah, that's just a slap in the gut. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. My mom used to talk about um, her, like it was her brother's mother-in-law. Do you know what I mean? Like her, her brother's wife's mother. Yeah. And like forever that uh, she met her once and she went, oh, you're looking a bit hefty. And this word was just... <sighs> You know, a shortcut to emotional trauma for her. You know, hefty. Yeah, hefty. She would have been a young woman at the time, and this, this, uh, oh. like the things that that 
are were well, I don't know, still there's people out there. My my dad will look at me and go, Have you got something on your face? And you're like, No, no, that that's like a spot. You know, thanks. Thanks <laughs> for putting it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um we are at April today at time of recording, we're at April second. Yeah. Um and we're on lockdown, mm-hmm. as you predicted. Yes, lot, uh, last time we were talking. Yes, that's right. Did 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 you notice that nobody did the April Fool's thing yesterday? Yes. Everybody went, do you know what? Let's just not. Yes. Which I think is a remarkable measure of our uh, maturation as a society. Right. Yeah, but I'm sure there were lots of people who had like, I, you know, in, a, in the corporate marketing offices, you know, last November, were kind of putting together, you know, brainstorming sessions on, yeah. you know, what we could possibly do for the April Fool's prank that's going to be so amazing. And, you know, their MD was like, sorry, Fintan and Thorka, we can't possibly do this. And they yeah. were like, oh, no. you know, so I, I really like that. I really we- like everybody went, you know what? It's just not. That's Especially the the media publications, oh yes, um, because they they're the ones who who tend to throw out something and give everyone a bit of a shock. Especially yeah. if it's like before eight o'clock in the morning or whatever. Oh yeah, you, you're not woken up. You're not fully together. Yeah. No, it it was it was there was one I saw one tweet um, by a bar and they said, "Oh, we the great turnout for our takeaway service," and they obviously put up an old. Um, like photo someone took out of a Saturday night queue. Okay. Uh, so it just looks like all these people queuing to get into the bar. Oh. And you see people going, this is ridiculous. Where's the social distancing? And then they just went, uh, what date is it? And yeah, it, it, it was a moment. I, I saw it, I went, what? And then, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, but also, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Somebody was watching The Sopranos. Uh, yeah. I think it was Chris O'Dowd was watching The Sopranos, and like they do a lot of hugging and kissing and you know uh, uh, backslapping <laughs> and all this. And he just said like it was it was actually it was mildly traumatizing for him to watch The Sopranos. You yes, know, not for the violence. Ten times a day, you know. He's like, <laughs> you know, and um, yeah, I, I think um, I, th- I think what's interesting is last week we were talking about like. The, the population of the planet has just been low dosed with OCD. Yes. You know? yes and just like yeah. we're all into that. So weirdly what's been happening is like, we've just been asking the kids like, are you washing your hands? Are you washing your hands? Why are you washing your hands? So what the kids are doing, right? When they're in the bathroom, they're starting to sing happy birthday really loudly. Wonderful. Right? Like happy birthday to you. Like roaring their heads. Like, Cause they're so sick of us saying, hey, wash your hands. And it, what's great is, we don't actually know if they've actually washed their hands. All yes. we know is that they roar their heads off. Um, it, it's, it, it's just the, the, the very subtle behavioral changes that are, that are taking place. You know, you and wonder how, how, how much they're going to stick. This is the thing, because there's a few things I want to chat to you about today. Um, okay. But I, that's one big thing. Uh, is there going to be kind of like... You know the smoking ban. Obviously, that was a law that got passed, and mm-hmm. and now if you ever like like that, see a movie and people light up inside or 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 whatever, it seems so transgressive and so shocking. Or yes. yes. <laughs> do you think we might get a more hygienic society out of this? Yes, I do. I, I really, really do. 
I think um, it's going to become a norm. I think that when you walk into somebody's house, the first thing that you do is wash your hands. Yeah. I think that's just going to be a thing, you you know, Uh, and uh, uh, we, we, it's been interesting to watch the reaction of Western society to mask wearing. Um, So lots and lots of places are like, just wear the mask. You'd be grand. You know, got to blow your nose, wear the mask. Simple as that. And they're like, it's just, that's just what everyone does, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not stigmatized in any way. It's like wearing a coat because it's cold. You just, if you have a cold, wear a mask. And it's not a big deal. Um, My sense is that we're going to go that way a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. And the main reason that we haven't is that we literally don't have enough masks. Yeah. I I called to my dad's house yesterday and I I had this old kind of, hair hairband you know cloth hairband on me when i and he opened the door and he just uh, he's thrown his eyes to heaven like uh, yeah, stadia yeah. and i'm like i'm not like uh, this it's yeah. just necessary yeah, i'm not yeah, this yeah. person yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like do you remember when, when, like in the, in the mid 2000s there was this moment when everybody shifted from it's it, it is not okay to go to a pub and not have a drink yes. right like the only reason you didn't have a drink in a pub was that you were pregnant or that you were training for like the county team. Are, are you on of, medication? On medication? Oh, oh, I'm on antibiotics. Yeah, yeah, antibiotics. <laughs> I mean, I mean th- there was a moment like where society was like, no, no, it's actually fine to just go and have a Coke. Yes. You know, be the yes. designated driver or whatever. Mm. Um, and I think that, that, that kind of, that just shift in a social norm. You know, it was and in fairness as well we talk about legislation and that like i worked in a pub around 05 to 07 and there was a promotion done by soft drink companies to ask who's the designated driver and give them a free uh, soft drink yeah for a while like it was actually not included in the round and like i, I think what we like to talk about is when bigger bodies take action mm it does change like society obviously change comes from the ground up from people but Mm -hmm. when a big move is made it can change how we behave and it can change our attitudes and um and it's kind of what i wanted to you know now that we're talking about this and when we started two weeks ago say on I, i know we've been going this is episode eight but when we first say within the quarantine two weeks ago recorded we were in quarantine and last week we were just on the verge of lockdown mm-hmm. and and now we are in lockdown yeah but policies are coming out and, and, and reactions and you talked about it a couple of weeks ago about the state becoming a yeah. a very living breathing muscular entity mm-hmm. and and also I, i'm gonna cast cast you back to i think it might have been our first or second episode you talked about uh i don't remember but um uh economist who talked about like examining policies like is it cruel is it kind oh uh, yes what a, who, what's his yeah. name gls shackle yeah so shackle's idea is that to assess a policy you should um only ask one question so 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 we have loads of different ways to assess a policy mm. one way is called pareto optimality so you take a situation um and you go uh, will moving from situation A to situation B make everyone better off and no one worse off? Or at least one person better off and no one worse off? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a really good way of thinking about it. Now, there's almost no situations in life where you have a Pareto optimality. You know, um, like uh, sometimes you're, you're, you're mad to drag your mate out uh, to the pub, right? Yeah. Uh, to watch a match or whatever. And they're like, actually, no, I'm an introvert and I don't really like people and pubs are crap. So yeah. how about I just stay inside and uh, play Red Dead Redemption 2 and you go to the pub. And you're like, well, you know, I really wanted to hang out with you, but okay, fine. That's great. Yeah. Um, so that's a situation where it's not, it's not, everyone is not better off, right? Because you want to hang out with your mate and now you can't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, so it's, it's not an optimal outcome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from the point of view of society, which and in this case, society is two people. There's another way of thinking about it. That's just the idea of, and then you come into the theory of the second best What's the second best option and, the, and then the third best and then the least worst, right? So okay, very yeah. often in policy, you're choosing between not the best and the second best, but the least worst and utterly awful, right? That's okay. normally yeah. where you are. Like, and and um, very, often, very often policymakers, they do the public a disservice by saying, we're doing this thing. And the public are like, why are you doing the thing? And they just go, the thing is the thing. We're doing the thing going over there. They never say, they, 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 it's very difficult for them to argue why they chose A, B, C, or D. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and it's a really hard thing to do because it gets the public into the study of counterfactuals. Right? So it's like, what if this is what would have been if, mm-hmm. you know, we chose whatever. So in the yeah. budget, for example, you could have put a fiver on everybody's pension and um, a fiver on everybody's uh, 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 child benefit and all that, but you chose not to. And the reason you chose not to was that you were worried that, that things were going to go bad for Brexit. Right? So mm-hmm. there's one counterfactual where everyone was, a, a, roughly speaking, everyone was a fiver richer, but now they're not. And because they're not, the money's sitting in the bank, you know? And like mm-hmm. those, like, because there are so many options and some of them are, might be better depending on your perspective. Right? Yeah. If you're a pensioner, you're like, well, give me that fiber, dude. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to, to make those arguments. So very often they just go, we're announcing the thing. Here is a big number. It's a very big number. Look at the number. It's very, it is never compared against anything, which is yeah, difficult. Yeah, but going back to the, the idea of Shackle, Shackle's question was, if you want to evaluate a policy change, so like, oh, I don't know, um, uh, decreasing the wages of the public sector. Right. There's an argument for decreasing public sector workers' wages um, now because um, the government's about to spend a vast amount of money and uh, public sector workers are, are immune from the labor market downturn, which has affected, you know, almost half a million people in, yeah. in the country in two weeks. So, so w- the last time we spoke, the uh, employer support policy was just about to be announced. Yeah. And... Um, uh, they had answered on Tuesday. They rolled it out on Friday. <laughs> like the revenue went from an institution, which for the whole history of its its existence took money off you. Yeah. On Tuesday, it went from an institution that gave money to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, cats it's, it's, barking, craziness, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's now supporting half. Uh, uh, so there were two hundred thousand people 
getting some form of support from the state. Now there's 500,000 people and that number is going up and up and up every day. So yeah. on Friday, there were 20,000 20, people getting the employer support. Today, it's 36,000. So it'll go up and up and up and up. And up. So yeah, yeah um, that, that idea of like, will, so you're evaluating the policy. Will it be cruel is Shackle's point. So yeah. it would be cruel not to do that policy. Yeah. Right. It'd be yeah. cruel not to do that policy. It, 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 let's, let's pick another, so that's quite a simple thing, which is the government giving people who need money, money. That's quite. And like it's that, quite a, yeah. a people, a people centered, yeah, people focused yeah, policy. Uh, somebody described it as disaster relief, okay. which I really like actually. Mm-hmm. I really like that idea of, you know, it's not a handout. It's not whatever. It's like, there's been a disaster. Here you go. You know, and we're yeah. trying to keep it together. That's cool. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, the disaster will end, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, there's something I'm, I'm writing about today in the currency, uh, which is, you know, imagine you just, just jump forward to September the 1st. Um, yeah. um, who, who's, who's, who's perfectly right as rain? on September the 1st. Very few people. And yeah. the, the new government, uh, you know, assuming a government is formed by then, kind of has to be, um, will be going, okay, so what do we do now? And it's like, well, are you going to keep these things going? Mm. Well, if you do, they're ferociously expensive. It's like 300 million quid a week, right, mm-hmm. to keep this thing going. Probably 400 million at that point. Because again, more and more people will apply. And mm. it's like, oh my God, you, you know, at what point do you go, this needs to stop? Um, yeah. That stop that day where where the government stops giving you three hundred and fifty quid a week and mm. you don't have something to go directly back to, yeah. and everything just needs to recover. That's going that transition is going to be really really hard. Like so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so, so it'll just be a very very interesting moment. But the question of cruelty will it be yeah. cruel? So Shackle's point is like anything that minimizes cruelty has to make society better. Yeah. Right? So, so, so I was saying, like, it's quite easy, actually, to think about a situation where you have, you know, uh, people who need money and you give them money. That's, that's fine. Let's think about, about uh, the introduction of direct provision. Okay, yeah. so direct provision, everybody who's listening to this podcast probably knows about it. Yeah, basically, it was brought about after, uh, it brought about in the mid-2000s by a Fianna Fáil government. And the basic notion was, we need to find a structured way of dealing with asylum seekers uh, of all kinds um, in order to make sure that their needs are met um, before we int- integrate them into the community or send them, send them off somewhere. Mm. Right? The idea was it's a short-term measure and uh, you know, they're coming here, they're in bits, we need to give them housing, we need to give them you know, everything. Um, and, and opportunities. Uh, and sure to, okay, we need to give them opportunities. Jesus, opportunities we need to, to, to be self-sufficient. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, mm. uh, that is not how it worked out. Mm. right how it worked out i think if the average like length of stay in a direct provision center was six months or something like i don't think there would be the clamor that exists now and the correct clamor in my view to reform the system uh, uh and make it less cruel right the introduction of the policy well it was not introduced the minister i think at the time was brendan smith he didn't introduce it in order to make life worse for these people. He made it, he, he introduced it so it that the, it was a stop these gap. folks would be okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Stop gap. And it was like, Oh my God, what can we do? Pull it together. You know? And it's, it's like, well, okay. Does that minimize cruelty? Yes. But 
then it rolls on. Mm. And then it's like, okay, so now there are people who've been in there for like a, a decent chunk of their lives as their kids. And yeah. the question is, okay, so now is it cruel, right? What, what's, what's the least cruel thing you can do now, right? Yeah. Forget about the past is the past is the past. It happened, mm. it's there, you know, pu- push it over there. You don't want to, you, you know, I think very often in Ireland, we tend to cling third policeman-like to the bicycle of the past. You know, we're very, very yeah. mashed to it. And, you know, uh, <laughs> it was, it, 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 it's, it's like that, I think. So yeah. what was really interesting is what would the, what would the policy be today? That's the, the, the least cruel thing. Yeah. It's, um, it's tricky. It's a, it's a tricky yeah. thing. You know, and sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Um, please do, please do. It's what I think is like this, the policies that have been rolled out now, like making hospital, like the state basically going, don't worry, we're paying we for that. We're, we're absorbing the cost of the hospitals. Mm-hmm. We, you won't pay for your tests. You will be given this financially. Like it's people centered. It's not about like, um, there is an economist who I can't remember the name of um, who uh, I might've mentioned before, like said, imagine what society would look like if every policy that was put in place was about say for a child to make them the most rounded, the most empathetic, the most Mm -hmm. emotionally intelligent, mature individual they can be. If that's what every policy was about, for example, what Mm. would that instead of everything being about, profit and economy and, and and sorry everything being about economics and about the the you know uh profits it yeah, i'm repeating myself the coin um and i what is mad at the moment is we're in this obviously very intense very unique situation mm-hmm. where the government is making a lot of people centered policies yeah and it's having as positive an effect, I suppose it can in these situations. Yeah, no, they're doing an amazing job. I think one of the things that's different in this moment from uh, so-called normal moments mm-hmm. is that uh, the government can act very, very swiftly because it is it is moving with one purpose yeah. and with everyone's agreement. Okay, mm. so. Uh, a lot of the time when you're making a policy, you have to be aware that people want different things and expect different things and have different motivations. Mm-hmm. So take um, uh, compulsory schooling, right? Yeah. The state should pay for everyone's primary, secondary, and tertiary education. That's, yeah. a, that's something I really believe in, actually. I think it's, it's, I believe in education, obviously, and it's something that I, I, I'm, quite, I'm passionate about. Yeah. There are lots of people who are like, well, okay, that's fine. But I don't want to send my child to school. I want to homeschool the child. Yeah. And uh, the, there, there's lots of, you know, and that's what I think will produce the most rounded child. And there's other people who think, well, actually, I completely disagree with the notion of school. And I don't think I, don't think I want my child to do that. There's other people who want their children to, to be raised in forest schools and Steiner schools and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the state kind of has to, and, and religious schools, right? So there will be people who will want their child brought up in, in, a, in a specifically Catholic ethos, Muslim ethos, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the education department has to cater for all Hang of on. these things. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry, we, we lost you for one second there. Sorry, yeah. go again. <laughs> yeah. So the education department has to cater for all of these things, yeah. right? Um, and sometimes they come into conflict with each other. So, for example, um, there are uh, different approaches to musical education, right? But different faiths have different approaches to musical education. And you have to have a policy for both of those. And so in this moment, or, or, or another very good example, a very relevant example is in Dublin, the bus connects system, right? It's saying, well, we want to make everyone or just about everyone better off by putting in better bus corridors and it'll, it'll be better for the environment and, you know, happy days. But there's a few people who are going to be much worse off. And these people are the people who are going to lose their front gardens and their beautiful 200-year-old trees. Yeah. Right? And like, so that's a really interesting policy because it's like, it's like, well, okay, I, I see the general good thing because you're not just not have it near me. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah? Yeah, and so yeah. that happens too. And so none of that kind of debate of, ooh, well, should we... You know, should, yeah. should we look for a vaccine? I don't know. You know, like the, there's no that debate. Discussion. Yeah. There's no that discussion because society is focused on a, on a very, very specific goal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and like, imagine that, imagine that the virus only impacted a certain group of people as opposed to everyone. Right. Yeah. If it, and then you would have some of the same dynamics that we have all the time. Yep. You know, it would be, well, do we really? I mean, surely they should pay for the full cost of their own care. You know, it's kind of crack. Um, it happens with um, uh, patients who have cystic fibrosis. Really? Right. So, so you're, you're born with cystic fibrosis. It's a disease of the lungs. It's a very, very serious disease. Several of our students have had it down the years. Um, and it's, it's highly debilitating, but there is a drug um, called Orcambi. And mm-hmm. Orcambi is incredibly powerful in re- reducing the incidence of uh, the, uh, uh, the disease on a certain proportion of the people who have it, right? So not even all the CF patients or CF sufferers have, can, can be, are susceptible to improvement under this drug, right? But the drug itself, but it really does help. Those people who it helps, it really helps. Yeah. So the question, the public policy question is, should the state pay for that? Okay. Yeah. Should yeah. the state pay for that? Yeah. Now, if you're the Minister for Health, okay, and somebody's looking at you and they're saying, if you don't do this, somebody will die, right? What do you do? That that's a, that, that 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 that's how we're rolling these days. Wait, for you those you can't you can't you can't see um you can't see uh Stephen's wife just threw something in the room to him. It yeah, literally great. opened the door and lobbed a package at me. Right. Um, <laughs> she should have waved and said hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell so, her I said hi. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, she misses the chats actually. Um, but oh, she. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? You were saying, yeah. uh, should the state pay for... Should the state pay for, for this? And, and uh, No, it's not a cheap drug. It's, it's remarkably expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Like thousands of euros per, um, um, per, per dose. So should the state pay? Well, there's lots of other things the state could do, okay? So this is, like the, this is exactly the same as the garden analogy, okay? Yeah. It's exactly the same. It's a very simple... Um, and it, it's the same thing. Right. And the public policy problem is 
should you do it? Is, is it cruel if you don't do it? Yeah. Right? Clearly it is cruel if you don't do it. Yeah. But, and this is the but, the money that you're spending there on those people who will definitely be made better off by the, um, uh, uh, the use of this Orkambi drug, uh, that money is now not going to something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. it could have gone to car parks or another wing of a hospital or yeah. five more nurses or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. There's some, num- there's some uh, uh, cost. Uh, and you're, what you're doing is as the policymaker, you're choosing to give up all of those other things to get the or can be drug to the CF sufferer. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Or you're choosing the bus lanes or you're choosing the employer support policy or whatever. The policymaker okay. makes those choices, right? And they make them and they might have a menu of options available to them maybe, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, and this is the key boss, they might have a menu of options available to them, but they will also, I think, look at like what's right, you know? And, and sometimes sometimes what's right is is also what's not emotive right like if my child had this 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 awful disease Mm -hmm. i'd be kicking down every door yeah of course fight in the corner fight in the corner right so that thing about like minimizing cruelty yes yeah like that's that's a very very interesting uh it's called a welfare criterion because you want to have the maximum welfare the society yeah. that's the least cruel probably has a pretty high level of welfare, right? Absolutely. You know, um, but it might also have some really weird outcomes. Yeah. Well, would you would you say like in a like looking at the absolute and utter opposite of this was yeah. the IMF coming in and just you know austerity, I suppose, coming in and you don't need that anymore. You don't need that anymore. You don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was about balancing books sure. primarily rather than even weighing up. Now, misses me as, let it be clear, Stephen's the economist. I'm the playwright, performer, director type person. Uh, I'm, I'm Josephine Soap. Um, and, and from my perspective, austerity was like, we are balancing books and you humans are incidental in all of this is what it felt like. Yeah. And the, the knock on effect in society that had and, mm. um, and bailing out banks yeah. was more important. Whereas what I feel is we, at the moment, what we're experiencing in my emotional human on the street state, uh, I feel the opposite. I feel like humans are being bailed out at the moment and it's quite a lovely thing mm. to experience in a very awful situation yeah so so austerity was uh the wrong set of policies for sure Mm -hmm. uh but let me put to you the argument that somebody in the imf would make yes okay so i I, i've written uh probably hundreds of thousands of words on what a bad set of policies austerity was austerity is is um cutting the spend of the state and increasing taxes in order to get the bond markets to have confidence that you're serious in inverted commas and then get um, allow you to lend again 
to borrow mm -hmm. again. Okay, they'll lend more to you and then you can, you know, you get out of your program. So, you, but, so you've got to depress wages and all the horrible things that, that were done. Um, now, the, 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 it was the wrong set of policies for loads of different reasons, but, but here's how the IMF would think about what just happened. Mm -hmm. They would say, without us, you have to, there's a big gap between what you take in and what you spend. Okay? Mm -hmm. And without us, without us, that gap closes to zero tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your tax take is 50 billion, say, mm -hmm. uh, and you're spending 80 billion, say, right. Yeah. And so with, if you don't borrow that, nobody's going to borrow, nobody's going to lend you any more money. Right. Yeah. So if no one's going to lend you any more money, uh, then you have to cut everything. So then you have to cut pensions, you have to cut spending, you have to cut public sector workers, you cut, cut everything, right? Mm -hmm. the al they're saying the alternative to austerity, so without us, the alternative to austerity is more austerity. Okay. Yeah? So okay. we're saying, they're, like, so they're saying, we're going to give you a couple of years to close that gap between taxes and spending, right? Yeah. Close that gap. But you can either do it now in a day, or in a year, or mm -hmm. you can do it over a much longer um, spread mm -hmm. of time, right? Four or five years, three or four years. Yeah. Um, and like that, so th from there, are, that's how the people in the IMF justify what they do. Yeah. Sure. And can you see that it's all about competing narratives all yeah. the time? Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, yeah. It, like it's, it's actually fascinating from a sort of a, from a, from a playwright, from a, from a theater, theater perspective, because there's a lot Absolutely. of theater. Well, there's a lot of theater and there's a lot of like, you know, things aren't black and white. Things are nuanced to yeah. that. I yeah. think what is the, the, the austerity thing has a knock on effect on like even how we act towards each other and how, mm -hmm. how we view each other and how, how society kind of gets divided. And what I'm liking at the moment in the news, I, like the news is very monothemic, but, oh, yeah. but what is nice is not to hear anyone giving out about anyone else just for yeah. a while just yeah. for a while yeah. no yeah. sector has been blamed like even in fairness for the most part the politicians are not taking this as an opportunity to no they're not they're, they're you know, playing a blinder and they, they and they are. could do and i'm conscious yeah. of time because keen yep. our wonderful producer is letting us know i have a little funny anecdote because uh, we will get back to this this is very i think there's a lot more to be said just even around yeah. just the nature policy and sure. obviously we're talking a lot more off now Stephen. um my dad, I was chatting about the Spanish influenza because that was the last time anything like this happened mm -hmm. in Europe. And apparently my granny, who, if she was still alive, would be 112. Uh, but when she was 12, so 100 years ago, um, caught Spanish influenza. Oh. And, and the priest, you know, obviously she uh, survived, spoiler. Um, but... <laughs> The the priest was anointing her. Okay. And he was like, Oh, you're going to be a lovely little angel. And she was like, I don't want to be an angel. I want to live. <laughs> and I just I thought that was Yeah. That was kind of fun. I was Good kind for of her. Go on. Good for her. Kids are great like that. Kids Go on. Like that. Kitty, Kitty Hodkinson. About Go Kitty years Hodkinson. ago. She, uh, she 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 barreled on through. Um, yeah. So that was just a little, I thought, a fun little anecdote to... Yeah. To, to yeah, never mind you and your last rights. Yeah, never yeah. mind you and your last rights, Bella. 
<laughs> but look, I think we'll be talking again soon. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and I hope the ironing board is holding up the computer. It's going okay. It's going okay. It's going okay. It's um, it's uh, it's a process. It's a process. Listen, Stephen, as ever, sure. delightful yeah. to chat. And, and thank you so much, Ed. And best luck, and I'll talk to you soon. Great. Take care. Bye. 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 You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Kean Reinhardt, theme tune composed and performed by David Blake. Follow Stephen Kinsler on Twitter at Stephen Kinsler, he's a Stephen with a PH, Anne Blake at Anne Blake78, she is an Anne with no E, and the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. If you have any questions, you can get to any of these Twitter accounts or follow the hashtag Anne Steve Talk.